Greetings, everyone. This is the Sound Health Radio Show with Richard Talk to Me Guy. And Sherry Edwards is still working on the SoundHealthPortal.com. Ever improving, more amazing charts. It's really, it's an extraordinary piece of ongoing work. And to learn more about the Sound Health Portal, you can go to SoundHealthPortal.com. You can scroll down and see some of the current campaigns. I'll just go right away and talk about the neuroplasticity software package. And what that means is that you can choose a campaign. This will all become clear as I talk about it. You'll choose a campaign. And what it, what it means is that you'll be doing the, you'll choose something like neuroplasticity. No, let me back up. You'll sign up for a free membership. You'll then choose neuroplasticity, which is what you want your vocal print to be run through. A vocal print is a, uh, the system will walk you through doing two 30 to 40 second recordings directly from your computer, better with a microphone or something like that. And you will be able to do the recordings. You will then submit those recordings and within about mm, two to eight hours, you'll get a report back by email. That's why you have to sign up for a free account. And I suggest sitting down with a cup of tea and reviewing the material. And what that will, what it will show you is things that are out of balance in your vocal print. And then when you want to know more, I suggest going back to the Sound Health portal, scrolling all the way to the bottom and watching one of the live video demos where Sherry has done a live online workup with somebody in a webinar or Zoom meetup. And you'll get to see the portal in, work, in process where the software will take the vocal print which is just a recording, run it through the software, break it down into all the little bits, run it through the analysis, and it'll then show you, or the on the portal, it'll actually show you the a pie chart, let's say, and it'll show you the pie chart, one of my favorite pie charts, I don't know which one it's called, where it'll bring it up and it'll show you the thing that's the most like, oh, there's what we need to work on right now. Because oftentimes, if you have something that's hypertonistic, which is too much, or something that's hypotonistic, which is too little, and or sometimes you can have too much of something, and that's because it's not being utilized. And the same thing can be true of something that's too low. Is it, You may have all the stuff, meaning nutri- nutrients and food and proteins and amino acids and everything in the system, but they're not being assimilated. And so it'll show you states of imbalance. Watch videos where Sherry explains that, and you understand what's going on. And it's really, it's extraordinary to have it as an online resource now. I carry around a, a Samsung Go mic with me in my bag. And then I can plug that into somebody's computer and do a, have them do a session right there from their computer without them needing software or anything. It's great. To hear a and share the replay of the show about 15 minutes after you hear the outro music, you can go to talktomeguy.com, talktomeguy.com, just like it sounds, all words. Scroll down that page, and you'll see this show in about hmm, 15 to 20 minutes after we end. All the show notes will be there, links from the things that we refer to, links back to um, Gene's amazing site, Hemp Build Magazine. And... It's, 
it was designed so that it's very mobile friendly so that if you pull it up on your phone you can just scroll down and underneath the show description the player you can just listen to it right from your phone i'm really happy it's happening and also on that same page if you see the little microphone in the lower right hand corner if you want to leave me a question or a suggestion for a guest just tap on the microphone and you can just yak at me i mean that in the best of ways and make suggestions or thoughts and with that Jean Lotus is a Colorado-based award-winning journalist with an expertise in reporting on the emerging industrial hemp industry. She's the publisher of HempBuildMag.com, an online trade resource for the hemp building industry. In 2019-2020, she served on the state of Colorado's advisory panel to create the state's hemp blueprint. To live in a hempcrete home in the mountains with a pack of alpacas. Jean joins us to talk about all things hempy goodness. Good morning, Jean. Hi. So are you going to change your name to Richard Yak at me? Yes, that could be. <laughs> you could have an alternate <laughs> site. I could. Oh, I could I'm have so Richard Yak at me. That would be great. Uh, alpacas <laughs> really, you know alpacas spit. I mean, they seem like handsome beasts out there, but they're kind of spitty creatures. <laughs> yes. Well, we have, uh, uh, you know, alpacas are cute, but actually, I've heard the I've heard the analogy that llamas are like dogs and alpacas are like cats. Um, and llamas, <laughs> we have a llama, we oh. had a llama that was loose here, and he was kind of. Uh, I live right in Fort Collins, uh, sort of right against the foothills, and there was a loose llama who. Uh, was following people on the trails and such, and um, they they ended up giving him to a a llama farm. Um, and evidently, they are so gentle. I know they spit, but they're so gentle that if if people rent a llama to go backpacking in the mountains, uh, they they actually train the kids in the group to do the to be the llama carers because the the llamas are in, are are you know. Basically, they're smart enough to um, be. Uh, they're they're just they're just way more easy to deal with than alpacas, evidently. But evidently, alpacas have the the nicer wool. They but have amazing that wool. Yeah, has has nothing to do with them. <laughs> no, no, but it's oh, still it's so it leads to the quirky creatureness of you know. If you have a hempcrete comb, you have to have some slightly like. What's that? Yes, or or a government wild burrows or something, you know. Ooh, I love that one. That one's great. Government wild burrows. That would oh, be a great yes. punk band. Um, they're okay. They're so sweet. They're so sweet. Oh my god, they're so nice. They're such nice animals. How did you? You're a journalist. I mean that yes. not as an accusatory thing. That was a statement of positive. That sounded a little more like you're a journalist, young lady. What are you thinking? <laughs> no, I meant. I mean, you're a journalist. How did you get hooked into being the Hemp Creek Queen and starting the Hemp Build magazine? Was there something? Was there an aha? Was it a bolt of lightning? Did they have you know, uh, well, to speak to yes, you? Yes, it was. What happened? Okay, great. It was. Um, we, uh, my husband and I have a friend who introduced us, and uh, he. 
uh, is an FDA regulatory lawyer, and he was interested in how after the 2018 Farm Bill, basically every state had sort of different rules about industrial hemp, and and the entire you know CBD craze was ramping up in 2018 and 2019. So one of the things that's so fascinating as a journalist, I have to say, back up as a journalist. I think that hemp is the story of the century. Um, It's fascinating. When you think about hemp has been used for thousands of years. It's the strongest fiber, plant fiber, that you can have. It was used for canvas, for the sailing ships that, uh, you know, went across the sea. It was grown by Thomas Jefferson, George Washington, Ben Franklin. Ben Franklin's... uh, his electricity experiments with the flying the kite and the lightning, it was a hemp string, and hemp has a hexagonal uh, structure, a molecular structure that actually transmits electricity. So we might not have really understood electricity as well if he had been using a cotton-based string. Wow. Um, that's why there are hemp batteries. You know that hemp hemp has the same molecular structure as graphene. Um, so if you read uh, if you read Franklin's description of how he was using the hemp twine to fly this kite, and the the fibers on the hemp started to stand straight up in the air, and so he he knew something crazy was going on. You know. Um, so, uh, you know, hemp is, it's its such a fascinating story. And then the fact that it was illegal in the United States, it was basically put into the same category as smokable marijuana, which we know uh, was sort of a, you know, it was a campaign to sort of get, it was a, it was sort of a campaign in 1937 to kind of make sure that the prohibition uh, apparatus that had been built up for alcohol prohibition still had something to do, really, federal, <laughs> the federal prohibition. <laughs> so, um, it, you know, it was swept into this category of absolutely being illegal by the 1937 Marijuana Tax Act. And so farmers who had been growing it you know, for generations were arrested, and it was it was very very strange. It was really weird times, and then um, World War II came along, and and the Hemp for Victory campaign, um, the basically the vanilla uh, Manila not vanilla but Manila hemp um, was not accessible in the Philippines because the Japanese had taken over the Philippines and cut off the American. Line. So basically, we had no hemp rope for the army, and so they started to grow hemp again in the Midwest. So when people in the Midwest talk about ditch weed, that's leftover hemp from the 1946 or 19. I, I want to say it was right at the end of the war. So, um, so that's leftover hemp from the Hemp for Victory campaign. And uh, so then, then they clamped down on it again and said it was marijuana again. So basically, we had 80 years of prohibition of this ancient plant. And as far as building materials, there are 
bridges in France that were built in the 600s that have a mixture of hemp and lime, um, which is what we call hempcrete. Um, it, it's kind of a... Uh, it does not take the place of concrete or Portland cement because it's not load-bearing, but it is a um, it's a very <clears throat> good insulator. So people have been in Europe have been building with hempcrete for 30 years, and uh, there's there are department stores and there are warehouses as well as you know whole council estates built of built of hempcrete, lots of houses, lots of lots of historic preservation work. Um, with hempcrete. So I think it's fascinating. So as a journalist, you know, when you hear about the story of the century, an ancient substance that's being reintroduced, a new commodity crop in the United States, the first one since God knows when, um, you know, when you hear about the story of the century, and I think Richard and I were talking earlier about the the fabulous, you know, like the idea of being in San Francisco in 1949, you know, at the beginning of the gold rush and all the crazy changes that were going on. You know, you want to go to the place, if you're a journalist, where things are happening that could change history, and I think hemp is one of them. Well, I think it's kind of, um, I'll call it amusing, because I can't use any of the real words I want to use, that a lot of people didn't know much about hemp, and still surprisingly don't. And yet, because of CBD, suddenly every... And I'm not anti-CBD. I'm not anti-THC. That's not what this may sound a little ranty. It's uh, suddenly everybody's talking about hemp because of CBD or cannabis because of CBD. And hemp, mm-hmm. like you said, has been around for almost forever, used. Yes. But yet suddenly it's like, oh, my God, hemp. Wow, that's an amazing thing. I'm using CBD, and I can't believe how much better I feel. Well, you know, what about your socks? What about your clothing? What about your rope? What about all of the, you know, I mean, there are so many things that hemp can do. It's rope and dope, yes. It's rope and dope. That's good. Oh, did you just, that's really good. I'm writing that down. That's great. (laughs) Um, So there are a lot of uses besides rope and dope. (laughs) Right. And I think before we get into the uses, I want to ask you to, I have a bunch of other questions, but I think we need a little bit of a lexicon of hemp. And what I mean is, you know, things like herd and bast and fiber and biomass yeah, yeah. and decortication and all that kind of stuff. What is all that? I hear those words. Well, we and can. I know some of them. Well, I think we can kind of bring that. You know, as we as we talk, we can uh, okay. bring that up. So, the cannabis sativa plant. You know, cannabis sativa has yeah. a lot of mystery <laughs> around it. But basically, in 2014. Um, the U.S. Farm Bill tried to gradually introduce non-THC hemp back into the uh, economy. And the way they, and in 2018, the way they determined what was hemp and what was marijuana was how much THC is in dry weight. So Mm. 0.3% was, and it, it has been, uh, it's basically been found to be an arbitrary number that was, you know, thrown out there by scientists at some point. So the question was like, how much can get you high? So um, 0.3 THC was was determined to be the official 
distinction between whether something was hemp or whether something was marijuana. I I am not all that familiar about how how much THC uh, is actually effective to cause a uh, an intoxicating experience. I have had bad luck with THC in my twenties, and uh, I I just never really went that route. But of course, growing up in Colorado, I had a lot of friends who were appreciative users, and um, we uh, I. So I don't know exactly, and it really does depend on the human being and and their you know it's a fat soluble substance as opposed to alcohol, which is water soluble blah 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 it can stay in your system um so but that is the official the official difference between hemp and marijuana, and um it has caused a lot of problems because first of all, after uh hemp was basically outlawed in the United States for 80 years, we lost all of our sort of agricultural know-how about hemp and what grows where and which cultivars grow best in which regions. And um, there are also, you know, so the genetics is a problem and it takes generations of plants. Hemp grows super fast, 90 days, and you can get hemp crops. And when you have an acre of hemp that can produce as much fiber in 90 days as an acre of pine trees in 20 years, you have something really amazing. So um, so it, it does take a number of seasons to get these, these cultivars to the place where people understand what's going on. And the problem is with farmers. You may have heard of people growing a hemp crop that goes hot. So that means that they test it, and they find that it has a little bit over 0.3% THC. So that is one of the issues. They um, many people, including you know the the so many people, all these farming organizations, all these associations of departments of agriculture have pushed to please, can we just make it 1% THC? There's no way that smoking a 1% THC thing is going to get you high, you know, but it would give the farmers a chance because if you're if your crop goes hot, guess what happens? They burn it. Wow. And even they they burn the stalks, they destroy it. So you could, you know, in 2018 and 2019 these farmers were paying like a dollar a clone, a dollar per seedling to grow these crops and even the weather can determine how much THC ends up in the crop. So it it has been a, a shaky rollout for the the farmers who are the people who take the most risk in the supply chain for hemp, for anything. And um, the farmers were su- super excited to grow it, and they wanted to get back into it, but they really got burned in the past couple of years just trying to you know, somebody sells you seeds that then turn into, you know, they turn instead of turning into a pumpkin, they turn into marijuana, and suddenly, you know, your entire crop right. has to be burned. That's just terrible. And what ter- so, what makes a plant go hot? Is it just the strain suddenly it, yeah, decides to produce a, a little genetic, bit more? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's a genetic thing, and if you see a, you know, for CBD which is a non, um, the DEA has unlisted CBC, it's not, it, it's CBD, sorry, it's no longer on the Schedule One list. It does not have any intoxicating properties. 
But if you look at, like there are signs in the Colorado Department of Agriculture, you know, basically if if you have 10% CBD, you're going to have 10% THC too. They, the two cannabinoids, there, there are 66 cannabinoids in a cannabis plant. Nobody knows sort of how they work with, with the human body, um, but they, you know, those two basically go hand in hand. So trying to figure out a way to basically break that chain um, is hard. It's difficult, and, and people have been able to do it. They're trying to grow 0% THC, high CBD um, hemp plants, but it, it sometimes doesn't work. The, the plant, you know, the way it works is there are cannabinoids that kind of are, they, they grow at the same time. So um, that's kind of how it happens. But it could happen, you know, even farmers have complained that even when they bought, you know, what they... <clears throat> thought was certified seed that was going to have super low THC, sometimes it goes hot just based on the weather. So super unfair for the farmers to have to deal with this as this as this industry is emerging and, uh, uh, you know, the fact that the DEA is still kind of involved in hemp is very unfortunate. And it, it also extends to areas like transportation. It extends to areas like... Uh, the banking, you know, if you have the word hemp yeah. in your business, yeah, oh boy. you suddenly can't. It, it extends to Facebook. It extends to social media. You cannot advertise hemp products. I had this little, so hemp paper is very interesting, right? It's You can huh? use it for, you know, artwork. And it's, it's super cool looking because it's got, you know, it's got kind of big grain on it. And, um, so I, I found this artist in England who makes these gorgeous hemp paintings of different animals, and um, she's just these beautiful, beautiful paintings. So I actually bought some of them, and I was selling them here in Fort Collins in a, um, a vintage shop, little, you know, sets of these little mini hemp paintings. And they were being shoplifted, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> shows how awesome they are. Oh right? boy! Wow. <laughs> and, but um, I tried to advertise them on Facebook, and I basically got banned for life from Facebook. I can't advertise anything on Facebook again. I'm like, I'm like a, uh, and it was you know hemp watercolors for sale. <laughs> and uh, banned. why are you in jail, young lady? I sold <laughs> hemp watercolors. What? It sounds like an SNL routine. That's a shocking <laughs> idea. Wow. So anyway, hemp is uh it's it's so interesting as you know in as a journalist I see, you know, all these things as absolutely fascinating. And then with the building materials, you know, the idea of being able to grow something outside the ground in ninety days, you know, they have the the old saying, Let's let's work on the well, first of all, the the premise is that anything uh that uh, petrochemicals can do, hemp can do. You know, there's right. the, the oil, there's the biomass, there's the the um, the the uh, oh, what do they call it? Cellulose. So cellophane. You know, all the plastics, etc. Mm-hmm. It's all there in hemp. So the idea is, you know, let's talk about carbohydrates instead of hydrocarbons. And uh, for building materials, you know, we know that the 
the building construction industry is is growing and is going to keep growing at a massive pace, but it it contributes 39% of the carbon into the atmosphere and the landfills are full of construction waste. Right. And so if we can combine hemp into you know this construction machine that's going on um hemp sequesters carbon it sucks carbon out of the air about 12 tons an acre and it then if you put it in this hempcrete which is the lime and carbon and wa- uh, hemp and water it basically continues to absorb carbon through the life of the building so it's like a negative carbon machine mm-hmm. so uh, all these things make hempcrete and hemp just so fascinating. I think, and uh, I agree. And I think that's interesting are... that I, I just got it. I just uh, received an email in the past couple of days from Project CBD, uh, which is an organization. I believe he's in the Bay Area, in the San Francisco Bay Area. Martin Lee started mm-hmm. Project CBD, and they put out an article, really a commentary, say, "Stop growing hemp for CBD." The, yes, the CBD market is saturated. And then, as I'm reviewing your site, there's that great story about pure Shenandoah's growers pivoting. Would you yes. talk about that? Because I think it's interesting that the two of you sort of concurrently, who knows, he saw your article and thought, I should write about this. I'm making that up. Uh, but, you know, I just yeah. think it's interesting that two resources. Yes, the that, great pivot. That's what Yeah, the great pivot. It. Yeah. Yes. Well, the long play has always been growing hemp for you know, fiber and grain. Uh-huh. The Canadians have been growing hemp for grain uh, for 30 years. And if you, you know, you go into any health store and you can buy hemp hearts, you know, in a bag. They're little delicious things that you throw in your smoothie. And they have a complete protein and omega-6 and omega-3. So they are, you know, there are few uh, plants that have a complete protein. Mm-hmm. They might also give you a slight stomach ache, but don't say that you heard that from me. Um, I actually had a hemp <laughs> burger last night, and it was delicious. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I do not have a stomach ache. Um, but uh, the so, you know, everybody has known CBD really only came onto the scene maybe 2017, 2018, and really mm-hmm. there has been so much CBD produced that every single American could take it every single day for 20 years and they would <laughs> and they still wouldn't right. run out. So, yeah. um and plus there was a in in March of 2019 there was a huge crackdown on selling it over the internet, which had been uh-huh. the area where, you know, that was how people were getting it and uh basically you know, CBD people I know who had been growing it, bottling it, farmers, um, they suddenly, like, had all their PayPal accounts suspended. They had, it was a nightmare. You know, uh-huh. they couldn't, not only could they not sell it anymore, but their, they couldn't access their accounts. <laughs> so there is too much CBD in this world now. We also have the the Delta Eight, which is so interesting, and and we can talk about that too. But um, there, uh, you know, we uh, there's way too much CBD in this world, and um, and everyone who's thought about hemp 
has known that you know the the fiber, the building materials, making paper, even particle board, plywood, um, making textiles, that is the long play. And seed, food, that that's the long play for hemp. Right. We were talking backstage about, and, and the audience has heard me interview Paul Galon a number of times about herbs and formulations and medicinal mushrooms and that kind of thing. And he mm-hmm. put on an event in Santa Cruz in 1998 that was a hemp event. It was all about hemp. And he made the documentary called Hemp Hemp Parade that I've talked about. And so when I've not only seen the documentary, but also he had a mobile museum for a while, which should now be, I realize, in a hemp mobile trailer. That would be awesome. Yes. Um, where he had things like a hemp fiber briefcase. And he had right. a panel from the inside of, I think it was a Mercedes or BMW that was using hemp fibers because the hemp is sound deadening and durable and it adds a little bit of extra strength to the, you know, your dash might have hemp fiber instead of horsehair. In yes. the old days, even before my time, they used horsehair or something like that. And now you can use hemp fiber. Is there, right. is that still happening? Are people becoming more conscious well, yes, or manufacturers why... using it more? The car industries, BMW, the European car industry has been using hemp in its um, door panels, et cetera, for uh, 20 years. So that's kind of how the hemp building industry came about. Now, we were talking about the difference between herd and bast. So yeah. this is the part, the stock of the hemp plant it has nothing to do with the flower of the hemp plant which is where the marijuana or the CBD or the marijuana comes from mm-hmm. um, and I always say marijuana just to make sure that you uh, you know people say oh it's all cannabis but you know the official line is hemp versus marijuana based on THC levels so um, but the, so the hemp stock has two parts to it. It's got this fiber on the outside, and that is called the bast. Now, there are other similar plants, like, for example, flax. Let's talk about flax. Flax is made, is where linen comes from. And two or three hundred years ago, before cotton became big, people basically had clothes made out of linen or wool, period. And then they used they used hemp for canvas, which was you know a much rougher, tougher, you know, uh, ship sails, etc., and ropes. So um, flax has a long, skinny, tough stalk, and then it has a, a flower and seeds. So we eat flax seeds all the time, right? And then we put them mm-hmm. in our coffee or our bread, our fancy bread. Um, and it's very similar. So, and then there are these fibers on the on the stem that are really long and strong. So the same thing with hemp. But hemp also has on the inside something called uh, the herd, which is the kind of a woody core. So, in order for um, the European car makers to get at the fiber. They use a what's called non-woven fiber. So you can either make it into a textile kind of thing, um, like a canvas sail or a tent or something, and or you could um, use it in non-woven applications, which is the thing like like upholstery, um, that kind of 
thing or insulation, right? Um, so in order to to get that fiber, what they would do is this process called decortication. So that involves uh, similar to flax, they 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 basically leave it in the field to ret, which is basically rot. <laughs> Just mm, pronounced fancy. with an e. <laughs> so uh, they they basically, you know, bacteria causes the outer and the inner parts to separate, and then they basically separate those two things, and so they get this nice fiber, and then they get this kind of woody core that's kind of all chopped up, and that is what they use for building materials. And so in Europe, there were these cathedrals, especially in France. I don't know if you've ever been to a French cathedral, but, you know, the British cathedrals are, like, beautifully maintained, and the French French cathedrals are, like, moldy and water's dripping and blah, blah, blah. So they they really had, you know, issues with historic preservation in France. And they had found this, you know, the hempcrete in these bridges that that the post-Roman people had built, and they said, well, let's try it with, you know, let's try instead of using Portland cement, which cracks based on the thaw and uh, freeze system that happens with every time you have a winter. They said let's try using this. So they they often use lime and horsehair again to mm-hmm. kind of make these these walls originally um, in Europe and these old buildings. So they threw in hemp and they realized geez, this works really well. And so that's kind of where it came from. So these two industries having the cars using the outer bark and the um, the construction people using the inner bark and also the, the animal bedding industry, which is huge. There's an animal bedding uh, hemp seller in called Old Dominion Hemp in Virginia. He imports like three shipping containers a week of hemp from France Wow. And sells it for animal bedding to pet stores in 13 states. Plus, it's all the fancy horse breeders. Um, hemp is not dusty, so you know if you just put straw in a in a barn with your you know beautiful fancy horse, they get they get dust in their lungs, and it's really bad for them. And you also have to you know shovel out the straw often hemp is really absorbent and it it's not dusty so these animals you know their quality of life is a lot better but so there's a huge market in in animal bedding which you would never think you know this guy sells like 3 million dollars of it a year and he even and he's not even getting it in the United States yet why oh yet thank you uh, yes, yes, yes. Just because they're, they're just, yeah. oh, well, there is the bottleneck here with we don't have the machines to break up the, um, to break up fiber. the stalks, the fiber and, and the herd. And yeah. why not? Well, we did. We had a company called Sunstrand in Louisville, Kentucky, and they were actually taking American hemp. They were having it grown within 100 miles. Of they were actually giving the seeds to the farmers in Indiana and Kentucky. They were growing the the hemp. They were processing it and sending it overseas to BMW and other car makers <laughs> who were 
so we were we were actually producing that, but they could not get enough. They had the machines, but they couldn't get enough product. They could wow. not get enough. They had the demand. They had the orders. They just could not get enough uh, product to grow it and and to get it through their machines. So they went bankrupt, unfortunately. I think 2019. Um, but there's a, a company called IND Hemp in um, in Montana that is just, uh, I believe they bought the machines from Sunstrand. So they're opening up to do decortication up there. It's very exciting. It is just a super exciting um, industry that has so many opportunities and, of course, obviously opportunities for failure, too. <laughs> well, I sort of feel like hemp is the, I can't use any of those words, um, you know, bad, I'll, I'll get in trouble for this, but I can't think of a better metaphor at the moment. It seems like hemp is like the bad stepsister of marijuana in the sense no, that it got caught up. it's a sober cousin. So, oh, that's very good. Thank you. Marijuana. Excellent. Thank you. Very good. Okay. They're the same phenotype, or the same genotype. They're different phenotypes of the same exact plant. Right. So, you know, um, it's the same plant. You cannot, you know, the genes are the same. It's just that they they grow in different ways. And, and well, the, well, what I mean, what I'm actually meaning is that it it's like it got caught up in being related to marijuana. Yes, exactly. That's really exactly. what I mean by the bad sepsis, right? The black sheep really the somehow, yeah, yeah. Yes, somehow it became the black sheep. You know, we it's only because we used it in the whatever's, I'm terrible with dates. You know, we had sails made out of it. We had rope made out of it. We had stuff made for war out of it. But then suddenly it was like, oh, no, you're related to reefer madness, and therefore you're out of here. That's right. kind of what I mean. It is a Well, that's cousin. because, and, and this is also what's happened you know, throughout is that if it's a hemp field, it looks exactly like a marijuana field. And, you know, our entire law enforcement apparatus has been completely trained to recognize those, you know, those wicked leaves. And they basically could not tell the difference. There was no way to, now they have some kind of uh, isotope machine, like a handheld isotope reader that can tell how much THC is in the leaves. Wow. But, um, you know, um, it, it it is all the same plant. So, and unfortunately, you know, I think maybe uh, the transport transportation over state lines has been a problem too. Like for example, in Oklahoma last year, uh, they were transporting some hemp, you know, bags and bags, an entire truckload of hemp across. I guess it was Highway 70. Um, and they called in advance and said, hey, we're going from Colorado to Tennessee where this stuff is going to be, you know, where this stuff is going to be processed, made into CBD, not not made into best and herd. Mm -hmm. And um, they called ahead and some little small town (laughs) sheriff decided this is like the the best way for me to get, you know, reelected is to say I stopped a truck with 30,000 pounds of marijuana that was going th- through our county. You know, so the driver gets put in jail, blah 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 blah. Um 
you know, they were called in advance and told all along the way, we're co- we're coming through with this and this is a legal crop, but, you know, it was and the same thing has happened in Idaho. Um so yeah, it is <laughs> it's just an awful shame. And then a lot of, you know, with this whole smokable hemp flower, which is bizarre to me. I I can't understand why uh people would smoke CBD flower, but that is what they do. And um you know, they various uh law enforcement associations have said, you know, if you're going to if you're going to let this be out there, then we are not going to enforce any any cannabis smoking rules because we can't tell the fucking difference. Excuse me. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> we'll we'll take difference. care of that later. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah. I have actually uh tried uh hemp flower and I find it to be a uh, herbally, it would be called a nerving, which is meaning it's soothing to the nervous system. Mm-hmm. So for people that I, I know people that are extremely anxious, this is me anxious. This is it for me. I don't get anxious. However, I know people who get either not just anxiety, but they just get angsty, you know, a little tightening mm-hmm. around. And a couple of puffs off of a hemp pre-roll, and it does help them calm down. And the great thing about it is the delivery is very fast. You don't right. have to take that a gummy is, and wait correct. for an hour to like go, oh, did I feel something? Do I need to take more? You know, it's very yeah. quick delivery. So that's about the only use I can think of. I, I know some people also have had some benefit using it uh, for COPD um, right. to and help also, calm down you know, spasms. Right. And also, you know, cancer treatments as sure. well. Um, yeah. You know, if if you are having, you know, pain and anxiety, I, I think – Medical marijuana and CBD are yeah. um, are awesome. Yes, yeah. So, but it is. So, is there is there any kind of trend, or it almost seems like we need some nerd to invent a drone just to freak everybody out. I'll use the word drone, yeah. um, a drone that has some sort of you know spe- photo analysis, uh, spectral photo analysis ray that it can just beam down on a plant. And go, nope, not that one. And and no, I mean, don't we need a technology so that they can just identify it immediately? Like, no, this is not what you think it is. Stop that. Yeah, they they do. But the thing is, you know, if you look at the if you look at how intoxication is policed, mm-hmm. um, it's dangerous to drive when you are drunk. Yep. It's dangerous to drive when you're drunk and high. It's dangerous to drive if you have taken angel dust, right? You are going to put yourself in danger and others, right? Yeah. But the way that marijuana has been policed is if you have possession of marijuana, you are uh yeah. you it's illegal, okay? You're so a criminal. You're a criminal whereas if you have a six-pack, an unopened six-pack, you're fine. Yeah. But with with alcohol, just because of the physiology of the body, alcohol is water-soluble, so a breathalyzer works. You either have enough to be intoxicated or not, and that has 0.08, you know, uh, BAC, blood alcohol content. Th- that, is, that will hold up in court, right? Marijuana is not the same. So... 
the way it's been policed is just basically if you have a joint in the in the um, ashtray, you are considered to be dangerous on the road, which is not necessarily. If you talk to people who are longtime pot smokers, they're like, I drive better when I'm high, and yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. But the, but because it's a fat soluble uh, material, you can't tell how much. Uh, Delta 9, which is the intoxicating official, you know, the DEA's intoxicating THC component. You can't tell how much is in the bloodstream. You can't tell how, how it is affecting the brain. Everyone, it affects people differently. So really this idea of how we police cannabis has led to people with the joint in the ashtray being incarcerated, people, you know, being suddenly dragged into the legal system and the United States having the highest percentage of its population in prison in the world and black and brown people having their lives destroyed, you know, for for marijuana possession Um, and white people having their lives destroyed for marijuana possession, but... So much more. I mean, if you see someone driving in a car that's kind of beat up and they have a brown face, I used to be a local crime reporter, and um, you know, it's it's not that they were driving in a weird way. It's not that they appeared in, inebriated. It's that they had possession of a cannabis product. So that is hopefully changing across the United States as THC cannabis, adult use cannabis is being, you know, loosened um, and, you know, the the war on drugs is, is being seen as a, a war on uh, minority people in this country. But, um, yeah, so hemp and THC, it is, it's a man-made distinction and that man-made distinction, nature doesn't give a shit, uh, give anything about that man-made distinction um the the 0.03 thc the other thing is i'll tell you there's a there's an issue with pollen so if i'm growing hemp for seed i need my plants to have be fertilized male Uh versus female plants right now if a hemp plant is growing and it it pollinates a male plant if that pollen goes to a marijuana plant um, and basically uh, gets stuck in the resin, which is where the flower, um, that's all the place that all of the cannabinoids are found, right? When the pollen and the the resin meet and the flower, the flower immediately stops making the substance, <laughs> the THC or the CBD or whatever, and it starts to say, hey, it's time to make some seeds. Awesome. Let's reproduce, right? So if you grow hemp with flower, with pollinating hemp near a marijuana grow, either legal or illegal, you actually will destroy the THC of the marijuana uh, plants. So there are various rules that they're trying to come up with. Like if you want to grow for... If you want to grow for seed, if you want to have male plants, you must be five miles away. But pollen travels really fast, and bees love hemp. So, um, you know, in a, especially here in Colorado, we have, you know, a lot of cannabis is grown, or adult-use cannabis, what we call marijuana, is 
grown in greenhouses, but we have a whole section of the state near the city of Pueblo where people do outdoor cannabis grows, um, intoxicating cannabis grows. So hemp is a a threat to them because the male, (laughs) if the male plants are 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 pollinating. Yeah. So it's very interesting to see how that's going to all work out. And right. that is something that basically needs to happen through the study of the plants and the study and basically how which rules work. You know, there are rules like, okay, in a region you can only plant female plants or you can only plant clones. And and also hemp plants, um, there's some great uh, language that farmers use. They call it roguing out the males. So you're supposed hmm. to walk through your field... <laughs> And if wow. you see a male plant, which is distinguished by just basically how the leaves are growing, you yank it out of the plant, out of the ground. It's called roguing out the males. I just laughed when I heard wow. that. It sounds so aggressive. But yeah. then there are hemp plants that actually become hermaphrodites, so they look female, but then all of a sudden they start spreading pollen. So then it's nature like, has oh, this no. sense of humor. Nature's like, no, maybe not. We're not sure. Keep guessing. I know that yeah. I have a friend in the uh, hemp industry, actually the cannabis industry, the marijuana industry, down in the Salinas Valley, but he's been to grows all over California. Mm-hmm. And I would say from his experience, and he sells them things like solar power and air purifications using ozone and light purification systems and alternative energy resources like solar energy or micro turbines. Yeah that are energy efficient, producing heat Cannabis and greenhouses and, are very... Are and and very everything there is indoor. Is, everything is indoor. Everything is right. indoor. There's not anybody thinking about growing outdoor, and I think it's a combination of... I think it originally got started as a security thing, mm-hmm. as well as we don't want anything... Because Salinas Valley is an agricultural valley. Right. Um, so they don't want anything touching their cannabis that's going to cause it to be polluted in any way whatsoever. Uh, so nobody down there is growing hemp. I think there are a couple of grows now in California, but they're more in the Central Valley area, which is not mm-hmm. quite so cannabis-oriented. And so I think, you know, it. I know growers who grow old-school outdoor grow marijuana, but they're more, they're still remote. They're not black market growers. They're just people who want to grow permaculture, seasonally appropriate cannabis. They're not trying to right. crank out 100 pounds a week. They're just growers who have been doing what they've been doing for the past 30 years in California. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that, you know, I just, I'm so pro-hemp. And I'm not, anti, I'm not anti-marijuana in any way. I grew up in California. I'm not anti-marijuana. I'm just so pro-hemp that I really, it, can cannabis do, can marijuana do anything to alter hemp? Hemp. Let's look at it no. the other way. Okay. No, but it could, okay, so if, if I was growing hemp for seed and somebody had an illegal pot grow, you mm-hmm. know, a mile away, um, the seed that the, that the hemp plants could have in the second generation could be too high THC. And I might mm-hmm. not know that. And I, if I was collecting the seed and regrowing from that seed, which is not that easy to do, um, you know, it's kind of better to buy seed uh, from, you know, we all, the 
the uh, there's something called certified seed, which is which is how the USDA basically for every kind of plant or vegetable, certified seed is is a mm-hmm. is how you how you do it. I'm gonna try to cut down on some of the lawnmower sound, um, but anyway, so. Um, so basically the second generation would be probably too hot. It would probably have too much THC, which would be confusing mm-hmm. to the hemp farmer saying, right. hey, well, these were for my plants that were genetically fine and were able to pass the threshold. There's a lot of, for these poor farmers, there's just so much compliance um, yeah. that it's it's really tough. You know, it's easier to grow carrots than... <laughs> <laughs> to grow hemp because yeah. you have to have it tested and you have to, you know, you have to get a license. That's the other thing is, you know, how, uh, where it's grown has to be registered with the state. So that, so that's one reason, that's one way that law enforcement can tell if your crop is a marijuana crop or a hemp crop mm-hmm. is, uh, you know, because you have a license and it's at these, these exact coordinates. Wow. Longitude and latitude. That's an amazing, mm-hmm. frightening idea. Um, once again, please refer to drones. Um, I want yeah. to, I, I can't believe we're, we're not there, but we're kind of like, I'm surprised we got here already, to, meaning time-wise. I want to, there's a great article on Hemp Build Magazine, hempbuildmag.com, um, about the hemp building materials accelerating environmental renewal. That's another yes. hemp hemp hooray moment. Would you talk about that, please? Yes. I mean, sustainability is something that we, you know, as as I mentioned earlier, you know, with the construction industry, it's just so polluting and it's not going to go away, right? And the uh, the other thing is um, the concept of sick building syndrome, which you have probably uh, covered in your, in your uh, radio show. So if I, you know, what they found in what the EPA found in the 1990s was that if you're working in an office building that is completely hermetically sealed and you're sitting here with all of your office furniture that is sprayed with PFAS forever chemicals and, you know, formaldehydes and all this stuff, it's air quality in these office buildings was actually worse than just being outside. And the same thing is with, if, you know, the modern home, you know, if you you do not want any water to get in, so you put this plastic wrap around it and mm. you, you basically trap people in the house with their off-gassing formaldehyde uh, asthmogens and endocrine disruptors and, and all this other stuff. So the great thing about hemp building is that the um, the walls are – they are um they they're mold proof for one thing so the other thing with with modern construction is if you get mold you're basically trapped inside the house with your mold um and so this this material which is just made of water and lime and uh hemp it basically turns back into limestone so that you don't get mold you don't get pests and um, it's temperature regulating and it's moisture regulating. 
So it basically is sort of it. They they say it's it's breathable, but it's not like the wall. It's not like air comes through the wall and goes out of the wall. But it just it it soaks the moisture in to the wall and basically pushes it through, and it goes outside if it's too damp inside. And then, you know, these walls are so thick, they're about a, a foot thick, so it's very great insulation. And it makes a, a, a complete insulation envelope around the house. So you don't need the the five or six different layers, which is the siding, then the plastic wrap, then the particle board, or the, yeah, the OSB board, then the uh, insulation, then the, then the drywall. You know, you don't need all that. You just need one big fat wall made out of hempcrete and then you put uh, stucco on the outside and you put um, lime plaster on the inside and you have this beautiful wall and we were we were talking earlier Richard about um, sound and uh-huh. lime walls uh-huh. and how the uh, you know hempcrete is just really great for um, for recording studios and uh, sound um Sound Sound absorption, Mm -hmm. and everything sounds really good in a hempcrete room. So, we just—I was just um, reporting on a beautiful hemp recording studio in South Dakota that was just built with hempcrete. So exciting! How wonderful! I want one of those. I actually still want. We kind of started our backstage conversation because I had heard or read you talking about building your own little like hemp trailer and i said yeah. oh, that'd be awesome for me to have one of those in the driveway as a recording as a studio to do shows in because of the yeah, sound the deadening is, and the insulation and yes ahead. exactly and the issue the only issue with the hemp trailer is just that it is like having a you know it's just the travel the travel mm-hmm. you know might not the walls might not survive being you know carry driven long distances over over highways, et cetera, and yeah. and it might crack compared to something, you know, like travel trailers are obviously built to sort of uh, maneuver so that they don't fall apart when, right. they're, when they're rumbled. But, they, you know, hemp is really, hempcrete is really best built in place. And mm-hmm. the ADU movement in California, I really believe, is a place where hempcrete could, could become exciting for people to build you know if they're building an adu in their backyard a granny flat casita most people don't get a chance to build their dream home right right if you're building an adu you kind of you kind of latch into that building your dream home you make a lot of decisions and it's kind of cool to have a you know especially in southern california where it's really hot calexico you know to have a temperature regulating wall that uh, oh, keeps you cool like in the su- in the summer, yeah. Yeah. Solar powered. It was only oh. 105 on my back porch three days ago, so yes. Yes, exactly. Empty walls. Oh my God, sounds great. And is anybody printing a 3D hempcrete home hempcrete. yet? They're talking about it. The issue Should we talk is faster? that hempcrete. <laughs> <laughs> well, hempcrete is not load bearing, so. Oh, okay. You basically have to figure out a way to, you know, it's a, it's an insulation, and you either pack it in by hand or you spray it on. Um, oh. But you can't really, like, for example, there are these people that make cement blocks 
systems that are interconnecting. Mm-hmm. And you can have it so that the cement blocks that are, there's load-bearing cement blocks, and then there are hemp cement blocks in between that kind of consist of most of the walls, but they're not load-bearing. You can do that. You can do um, various kind of things. There are Lego connections that you can make. There are, you know, steel girders that you can do the post and beam construction. But um, they need to figure out how to basically incorporate hemp. In order to have the insulation properties, you need to kind of have the hemp and the lime. The hemp captures air, so that's why it's great insulation. You know, it basically is like an air capturing mm-hmm. thing. So it's like mm-hmm. y- you need to have. So in order to print with a 3D printer, and these spray machines basically are 3D printers. I mean, they, mm-hmm. uh, you know, they you spray this on, and that's used. I mean, there are pictures of, uh, you know, there are nine-story apartment buildings in Italy made with hemp crate, and they just get these little spray machines and they spray it on. Um, in France, there there's a lot of public housing made with hemp crate, and the, the electric bills are practically zero for these people. Wow. So I think it really is going to come to the United States, and I'm super excited about it. it but right now it's not in the building code. So luckily our friends in the natural building straw bale movement in the 90s got a lot of natural materials into the building, into the U.S. building code. They did the heavy lifting. So hemp, you know, it is not an official ingredient in the U.S. building codes, and it needs to, you really can't borrow money to buy to build a hempcrete house. If you have, if I had, you know, a hundred, you know, $700,000 and I walked into the building department and said, I'm building a hempcrete dream home. You could talk your way into building one. But that's <laughs> not the way to get this into the use, you know, by ordinary people and ordinary builders and to build demand. Well, and before we head out the door, um, I have to add that being in the fire areas, that the idea yes. of building some homes with hempcrete in them in Northern California seems like a really kind of smart idea. That's like we were talking a little houses. bit, we were talking about a little bit about Paradise, California, where most of Paradise yes. is now gone, which is a bad uh, idea. Talking about Paradise yes. being gone, um, but the town is burned down. And how awesome it would be if they would build that back using at least the spray-on hempcrete. And the, spray on, and the reason it's fireproof is because it's basically a limestone wall. It right. has this plant matter in it, but it's a limestone wall. And what happened in 2017, the houses that were built with straw bale houses, which were built, you know, the way straw bale houses work is it's kind of similar. You've got this plant matter in the middle that is your insulation, and then it's covered with lime on either side. Well, the the lime covering on the straw bale houses, those houses survived that the lime turned wow. a little bit pink as the fire mm-hmm. went through but those houses did not burn down and wow. hempcrete's the same way you know they should in fact uh dion markoff who was the, one of the uh the the founders of the u.s hemp building association the late he just died in december he told me when i was interviewing him you know they should actually make it you should get it if you're building with hempcrete in california you should get a discount on your insurance 
and you should actually, you know, be forced to build with it because these houses, you know, wood-based houses are just not going to make it in a in a big fire zone. And you can really build back a lot faster if your house doesn't burn to the ground. I mean, obviously, yeah. fires go through, and uh, it's terrible. Yeah. Um, oh, do we have to end on that note? Let's talk about eco-cabins, because eco I think oh, that is such a cool idea, and then we can close out. Eco-tourism, this is my oh, dream. Yeah. This is my flipping dream in Colorado, because we have, you know... So, yeah, that we also have fires here. We had a fire here last year that went from August 15th till the end of September. It was up right near the Rocky Mountain National Park. It went into Rocky Mountain National Park. Um, and, uh, you know, we have and, – and then there's the Wildland uh, Urban Interface. You've heard of that probably. That is mm-hmm. sort of the official word for – where people live in a way in a place that could burn down. In Colorado, 50% of the dwelling structures are in the wildland urban interface. Wow. <laughs> so to me, you know, building an eco cabin, a hempcrete eco cabin um, empire would be so much fun. Uh, just because I, I think that first of all, you know, solar powered. Um, kind of off grid but but then you would you would be confident that your your cabin wouldn't burn down in a big in a big fire and and also people could try it out you know i think there is ecotourism and people you know you i'm never going to build probably a hemp house unless i and unless i have fill my fulfill my dream right but mm-hmm. um but i would love to rent a hemp house. There's one in uh, Steamboat Springs. You can rent on Airbnb, or you used to be able to. But it would be great to stay in one and you know experience it. Um, and hopefully, you know there will be sort of groups of of hemp buildings being built. But it, it's taking a while. And uh, I do think that I would. It would be great to have you know the option of being able to stay in a hempcrete eco cabin. I love that idea. You have a there's an article talking about the eco cabins on Hemp Build Mag, and mm-hmm. so that picture is just a com- computer generated dream. Oh well, those are yeah, those are actually um, yes, those are for sale. Those are made in Pennsylvania, um, and those are uh, they've actually sold out of those for this year. <laughs> Because it was such wow. demand, that was it was in Architectural Digest and Dwell, and um, yeah, so so those are yeah those actually, but they don't have you know a kitchen and stuff. They're basically right. a sort of like artist studio or a cabana kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. my thought is that you know making it an actual cabin where you could have people right. stay and have a kitchen yeah. and that kind yeah, of yeah. stuff. But yeah, the, but those yeah those are so that's called the Traveler. The company is Coexist Build. It's a husband and wife team. She's an architect. They're actually from L.A., and they moved to rural Pennsylvania to kind of they they to move near the grandparents, but also just because they're on the eastern seaboard and people are interested in hemp, and they are able to sort of she designs you know hemp buildings, um, and she did a lot of ADU designs too when she was out here in or out in L.A. So. Um, 
So, yes, they designed that. They kind of floated it on uh, Earth Day, and suddenly they sold out of every single cabin. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be awesome. Oh, to have that in your backyard would be. would be an awesome thing as well. See, well, yeah. that, that's the kind of thing that you could make into a recording studio. Although, if you look at the picture, the door is quite, you know, it has a big glass door, so you'd have to kind of maybe yeah. organize it a little bit better for a recording studio. But still, you could... You could build something like that um, if you could get the hemp. <laughs> if you could get the hemp right. if, if only you could um, get the hemp and not be pulled over and put in jail because you were hauling marijuana. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah, okay. Um, okay, that was stupendous. There's oh, going to be a part Richard, two, I can tell. Great talking We must to do you. this again. That was fabulous. Yeah. And uh, hempbuildmag.com. I can't yes. recommend it highly enough. It's positive great reading because it's hemp it's hempy goodness i'm very happy about it it is for sure (laughs) great talking to you richard thank you gene everybody else have a great rest of the weekend we'll see you next week bye-bye awesome